Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. The Women in Film edition of the Indie Short Film Series will screen seven or eight short films made by women, followed by in-person discussions, Saturday, December 3rd at the Vinegar Hill Theater in Charlottesville. There's a link on the page for this podcast. There was um, a birthday party they did that I think cost like 20 grand, uh, and we had to completely rebuild it from scratch, exactly the same to match the shots they already got. Some of the shots were from the principal photography, and some of them are what we recreated. Um, So if you can't find the difference, then we did a good job. That was Mary Sater talking about working on a reshoot of the HBO hit Big Little Lies. Mary is yet another successful Richmonder in the TV business. Her work as a set designer not only includes the new season of Succession, but the HBO hit Rap Shit and both CW shows All-American and All-American Homecoming. We'll talk about working on those shows and more. Sifter Review of the Week. Confess Fletch on Showtime. John Hamm made his reputation in the drama Mad Men, but his comic chops have been revealed in several shows. This time, he's the star, playing an investigative journalist who ends up accused of murder. He sets out to find the true culprit, turning him into a sort of real investigator. Hamm is wonderfully amusing, with his sly delivery and off-kilter reactions. Writer-director Greg Matola has penned a witty script and filled the cast with quirky characters. The cooking scene with Andy Mumolo is especially hilarious. The one-liners and extended gags never stop, providing a continuously funny experience that makes it the funniest movie of 2022. By the way, there's one final quick subtle audio gag at the very end of the credits, so be sure to listen for that. I gave Confess Fletch four and a half out of five stars. Mary, thank you for joining us today. Now, you have a mother who was an artist, Ann Chenoweth, and a father who was an actor, Alan Sater, and you're doing a little bit of both. Did their lives influence you into becoming an art director? Absolutely. You know, I had a very fortunate childhood growing up with the two of them taking me to museums and art galleries and plays, just being immersed in the arts. And then when I was going into high school, I was looking at a science career, you know, very different. And they encouraged me in whatever I wanted to do. And I made my way back around to the arts again. And I love it. I feel like a mix of the two of them, very happy medium. Well, and luckily they're both successful because, you know, so many people are like, oh, you can't make a living as an artist. But obviously they did and you can too. Yeah, they did give me the talk about an artist's life. Uh, <laughs> not to discourage me, but just to make sure that's what I wanted. And, uh, and yeah, what did you say? Mom, dad, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Almost exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you were a smart-ass teenager, right, at that point? hmm So what did come first for you, the theater or the art side of it? Or was it just kind of together? I think the art side came first. I drawing started... as a little kid and stuff like that? Yeah, drawing as a little kid. Um, I did do, like, summer performing classes and stuff like that. But I definitely you know, started in the art direction first, taking art in high school. And then I got involved in drama um, behind the scenes, eventually doing stuff on stage as well as behind the scenes. But it all kind of happened around the same time. Now, I interviewed David Crank earlier this year, who's a production designer, art director. Actually, he was Oscar nominated for News of the World. And he gave me an explanation of the difference between a set designer, a production designer, and an 
the art department or art director, which of course you you're kind of shifting around in this. What was your explanation, and how did you get your start in the art direction world? I didn't really know what the hierarchy about the art department in. Right. TV and film until I was in it. Basically, um, I went to grad school for set design for theater. Then, Boston University. Yes. And then I thought, you know, I'll give the TV thing a try. Moved to LA, worked for a producer for a little bit, um, doing sort of odd jobs. And then I got my first job as an art department assistant. And then you see the inner workings of the art department with the production designer at the head they interface with the executive producers and the showrunners. And then the art director is the other department head. They manage everyone in the art department, the graphic designer, set designer. That's my current job. So the art director is more of like the project manager and they're in charge of executing the designer's vision. And then there was me, the art PA, you know, helping, helping make all that possible and running around town and picking up samples and I just fell in love with the fast-paced nature of it and and making such crazy incredible like things come to reality. So you work mostly as a set designer. How is a set designer in theater where you had your education and your background different from a set designer on a TV show or a movie? Set designing for theater, it's sort of a um, almost a one-man job where you do the draftings, you are in charge of construction and picking materials and paint and props and uh, all the furniture sort of falls on one or two or three people. And it's much more metaphorical. You can really dive into the script and you just have the stage and one location to build everything. Right. And then in TV... The position set designer, um, what I do is just do build drawings, construction drawings um, to build every set. I do site surveys for every location we go to. So it's very similar in that you do all the research and you're doing the drawings, but you have a whole team of people to plan out the materials and you have the lighting people to talk to, to sort of see if you need to shift the set four feet this way. I have a friend who who did some work back in the day in that, and he said he, one of the things he would love to do is what he called power shopping. Because like, let's say you have a director and you've got, I don't know, a vase. And you don't know whether he's going to want a red vase or a green vase or this fancy vase. or So he just went and bought 10 vases and then give them all to the director to decide. Does that still go on? Do you get that kind of carte blanche to just go spend a lot of money? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you don't get a clear direction, but you kind of have a a loose outline, yeah, you'll just go out and go to the stores and grab a, a little bit of everything, maybe sort of in the same vein. And then I like to grab like a wild card. Like if I'm looking for carpet samples, if it's for a a masculine set, we'll grab a few like dark browns and blues and then something like a little bit crazy um, to show the designer and see if. And how uh, often does the crazy one get picked? You know, every few times they're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that direction. That's cool. Yeah. Now you started doing all that. And in the last couple of years, you've been working more as a set designer. Right now you're working on All-American and All-American Homecoming. Footnote. All-American and All-American Homecoming are sports dramas on the CW. Tell me a little bit about what's involved in those two and and how that came about. I was an art PA on the show You, season three, and the production designer, Hugh Moody, asked about my interest and about set design. Um, And then he went on for All-American and Homecoming. He gave me a call a few months later. He was like, hey, I need an art PA. Like, are you available? And I said, actually, I'm trying to put that behind me and move up to set designer. 
he was like, oh, well, send me your work. You know, I love elevating people. I'm trying to get people into the union. So I sent him some samples. He got permission from the guild. And then we started with season one of Homecoming. We had like five or six weeks to build six permanent sets. It was absolute chaos. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot of fun doing a lot of research and a lot of drawing, just building like a college dormitory, hallways and the rooms, common room, a student center, a lecture hall. And this is all on a soundstage in Los Angeles. This isn't, you weren't doing any location shooting. Exactly. Yeah. All in LA, some locations, but we had to make sure there weren't many palm trees because it had to look like Atlanta. Ah, um, right, right. Which yeah. is kind of oh. ironic because Atlanta is such a hotbed of production. I'm surprised it didn't shoot there. But Yeah, well, All American was shooting in LA and we share a lot of the same crew with them. Right, um, right. So it worked out for the producers to share. So how are they different? What did you have to do for one versus the other? Or what did you learn on the first one that came in handy when you had to go back and do Homecoming? Homecoming, since it was a season one show, we had no existing sets. So everything we had to design and build. Um, and then when I moved over to All-American, we were already in season four. So they had most of the houses built, most of the permanent sets already up. So we didn't have to do as much building, just a couple of fun things. Like they graduated, they go off to college. So we built um, the beach house that the boys rent. And then that was mostly just like location stuff by episode, um, little sets here and there. Okay, and on the show you're getting ready to work on is the second season of Rap Shit, which I saw some of the first season and actually reviewed it. So how did you get that gig if you weren't on season one? One of my friends, Andrew Sloan, is the production designer. And we met three years ago. My very first PA gig was on a show called The Rookie. It's still running on ABC. Right. Um, and then he was the assistant art director at that time. And we sort of had an instant click. And so we had a creative bond. We all moved together onto Silicon Valley. And then he started designing and he went to Miami for rap shit, came back to LA and asked me if I wanted to join him on season two. And I'm really glad that we're all reuniting. Cool. Now, of course, this is, you said Miami. Again, you're shooting in LA or this one is shooting in Miami? So season one did shoot in Miami. And then season two, they're moving to LA. All right. Okay. We I don't know exactly yet. the story, but somehow... They're going to be moving from Miami to L.A., and that's why we're going to be shooting here this season. Now, I want to back up a minute. I know there's a movie that you're working on, but I have a little surprise guest you wanted to drop in and say hello. Oh, goody. Surprise guest drop in. <gasps> it's Austin. It surprise. is Austin. Hello. <laughs> Footnote. Austin Lewis is a film and video producer at Remember Tommy Productions. It is me in my uh, little studio here in uh, Baltimore, yeah. <laughs> You're back in graduate school, right, Austin? Yeah, I'm finishing up just through May. I'm just kind of marathoning from uh, September to May, so that's the uh -huh. So how do you and Mary know each other? You could call it being neighbors, although she was a full mile away. Uh, right. But it's out in the country, about an hour northeast of Richmond. And uh, so we happen to be kids of the same age right next door. And our parents are friends. So I've known Mary as long as I can remember. And I think vice versa. So <laughs> we grew up together. 
Yeah, what are some of the memories you have of her? What? Come on, Austin, I got you prepped no, for this. I, no, here the thing is, I was thinking about this, and I was like, I was mean. I was like a mean big brother kind of character. I, <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> you being mean. <laughs> Do you remember that, Mary? I think, you know, it was sort of like a brother-sister relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd pick on me, and then I'd pick on him. You, she, she could understand the small ways of, like, driving me nuts without yeah. very subtly, you know. A little psychological torture. That sounds like a family. So you both got up in this field. Were there any indications early, Austin, when y'all were playing together that, hey, let's put on a show kind of stuff? Or did that just evolve later in life? I know I know for me especially, and I'd, I'd say that Mary's part of this, that I think, you know, my love for storytelling in general definitely came from like a recess, right? Like I think I drew my first comic book because I was trying to explain a character to one of my friends. And I wanted to be like, no, this is his story. This is, you know, just so you right. understand it. And then from there, kind of kept going and... And so I think, yeah, the improv kind of games you'd almost have and the and the play back and forth of who's controlling the story now who's controlling the story. Right, right. And Mary, you were in on that too, huh? Yeah, it was... Um, were you letting him be the boss? Or were you setting back and being the uh, production designer or the actor? Or yeah, well, I feel like Austin was really the boss in the, the season <laughs> things, you know? Like, he'd write his comic and I loved <laughs> reading his comic. And I feel like we did, like, skits with, like, one of our parents' camcorders, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Shanadar, is that your graduate thesis production, Austin? I like to say that it's part of my grad school experience because it was a big, you know, big learning experience with like in terms of the the scale and, and making it happen. You got Mary involved in that too. How did that come yes. about? I knew Mary was doing production design and, and I hadn't worked with her in that capacity yet. And on Shanadar, a big, a big thing in terms of the producer conversations was involving a lot of women in heads of department because A, this is an industry that typically hasn't um, facilitated that. And also, you know, here's a, a, a film specifically about women. And so trying to kind of, you know, who's, who's pointing the camera here? Who's, who's actually shaping the world? And talk with Mary and Mary came and wasn't able to be there on set, which boy, I would have love to have her there um but she's all, she's busy out in LA you know we get her for about three days and we uh, moved all the furniture around we put all these like fake water stains and she had um multiple versions that like could progress over time and so you know a scene that takes place later into the film has a bigger water stain and she and her mom painted them and um, they looked great and, you know, we had the tattered curtains and we we figured out like, all right, maybe we only have to buy curtains for half the house because we're not shooting upstairs and downstairs at the same time. So, you know. <laughs> Save that money. So, you know. so, Mary, what do you remember about the experience of working long distance with uh, Austin on the movie? It was a great collaborative process. We had Zoom meetings. Um, I read the script and did some research. And then we met with the creative team pretty frequently to discuss what we wanted the world to look like, how we would solve, you know, the problems of we're shooting in an actual house and it had to look like an apocalypse. It couldn't, we couldn't oh, damage wow. the walls. Yeah. So right. problem solving, how we were going to make it look spare and dee and cold and, and like they had no resources when really all the furniture was going to be piled in the room next door. Yeah. Um, another thing they wanted to do is uh, use a lot of local artists too. So it's just great mm -hmm. to work with 
you know, people from my hometown and people in Virginia. And then being able to be there over my winter break to just set up the house, that little whirlwind install, even though they weren't going to shoot for another couple months. But yeah, and then we had a great woman who could stand in as art director on set gave her all of my notes, let her fly with it. Since Mary, who, who who planned all this and like, you know, had the proper measurements and everything for the whole house. So we had a whole bird's eye map, you know, and this this big Bible, but really it was like, all right, here's, you know, we had different stages of time moving on and the resources that they have and don't have. And there's books on the shelves that eventually things get so desperate, they're going to have to burn those for fuel. And so you know, deciding what books are up there, making sure that's all consistent and then handing that off to somebody else. Yeah. (laughs) That's like a real, real, you know, gargantuan kind of task that she really tackled with uh, great success. So terrific. Well, Mary, is there anything you want to, uh, since you got Austin on the line here, anything you want to say to him about your relationship over the years or how he's doing in his career? I just admire Austin so much. We've ended up in the same career you know almost but we've taken different paths and he's made feature-length films and shorts you know all on his own producing and I just think that's so cool I admire that a lot oh I think it's it's really really important to to like who you're working with and to get know that they work well and that there's somebody that you can depend on and yeah is Shanadar available to be seen anywhere yet or is it still uh, in post-production we're at the point of the process where it's, you know, it's me and Chelsea and our editor, and we're the only ones really seeing it at this point, you know, and we're, we're having like producer screenings and stuff. You I'm know. still waiting for my cut to review too. Not literally oh, yeah, review. No, there you go. There you go. Yeah. review. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for dropping in, Austin. Good luck up there in Baltimore. And I look forward to seeing you next time you're in Richmond. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Austin. Oh yeah, absolutely. Anytime. So let's pick up with some of the other things. You also were set designer on season four of Succession. What did you get to do on that? Because, of course, that's lots of high-end, fancy, rich people. Yes. So Succession, you may know, shoots in New York. Right. Um, the New York-based production, because they're billionaires, they shoot a lot on location. I'd say it's 99% location shoots or location modification. And actually, they did shoot and they technically didn't shoot in Richmond, but they actually were supposed to be in Richmond and they came and shot some B-roll of the monuments and stuff for the episode where they were, I think they were actually supposed to be in Richmond, but they actually shot it in D.C. Oh, yeah. I remember watching that season and saying, that's the Richmond skyline. They're like driving over the bridge and you see downtown. But yeah, so they were going to come to L.A. and do an episode and a half based in LA. We prepped about four weeks. We shot for two weeks, two episodes. And it was really, you know, wild and crazy to be location scouting billionaires, mansions. And oh, wow. um, Yeah. Stuff you never get to see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Stuff you never get to see. Uh, Yeah. I can't reveal too much, but it was a lot of fun. And the crew from New York was so nice. You can expect like a show that big um, to have some egos working on it, but they were actually like very, very nice and humble people. It was a great experience. Good, good. So that was only while they were out there. So you got to do that. And uh, then they went back to New York and left you behind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very quick trip. (laughs) Right. So how did you go from being an assistant to suddenly being a designer? You know, I have a background in theater design. I got my master's. I already knew how to draft, but I didn't really know the TV 
and film side of things or how exactly it's different from theater. So working as an assistant, you know, just absorbing all the relationships and reading the plans and seeing what information needs to be conveyed, I sort of got a better handle on how to work as a designer and a drafter and then building up a little portfolio. Every project I'd go on, I'd talk to the designer and tell them my ambitions of moving up and designing. And then maybe they'd give me a little project like on Silicon Valley, the designer offered me a project to design the wood patterned wall behind the CEO of the company. Um, So I did the drafting for that. Footnote. Silicon Valley was an HBO comedy about the high-tech computer world. Yeah, and then every project, just trying to get my work in front of those designers and hopefully... You mentioned Silicon Valley. Also, HBO, you worked on Westworld. That must have been pretty cool. Yes. So Westworld was just the additional photography for that. So they finished shooting the whole season, cut it all together, and then, you know, the producers watch it and decide they need, you know, a different scene here, rewrite the ending here. Um, So I did a whirlwind three weeks on Westworld. Working in TV, you do a lot of, you prep the episode and then you shoot the episode and then you prep the next one while you're shooting the one before. Um, And for additional photography, you sort of just have bits and pieces you're looking at. And because it's such a high profile show too, you don't get the whole script. So we're looking at two sentence lines of like, oh, they reach into a lockbox. And we're like, oh, okay. So we have to design a lockbox and it's- But you never knew what was in it. Yeah, so we had a stage <laughs> full of just these tiny, like one wall things where they could get an insert shot here. What about you? I watched the first season of that and then I kind of got tired of it. Uh, and it got more and more popular, especially when it went to Netflix. What, what season mm-hmm. did you work on on that? I worked on season three. Which was the last season, wasn't it? Yes. Footnote. You was a series starring Penn Badgley, who gets too obsessed with his girlfriends. I think they're working on season four right now. That'll come out in the spring. Um, but they moved over to London, I believe. For that oh, wow. Season. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So you don't have to feel bad about them not calling you back because they're not going to be in L.A. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of L.A., Big Little Lies, what did you get to do on that one? Footnote. Big Little Lies was the HBO hit about a group of women in Monterey who get involved with a murder. That was another um, additional photography reshoot thing. We redid a few sets. There was um, a birthday party they did that I think cost like 20 grand uh, and we had to completely rebuild it from scratch exactly the same to match the shots they already got i remember the birthday that was a big birthday outdoors Mm -hmm. too and it was one of the kids right yeah it was sort of disco themed yeah exactly you're right oh that must have been fun to to dip into your parents clothing (laughs) some of the shots were from the principal photography and some of them are what we we recreated Um, so if you can't find the difference then we did a good job so when you are watching something on tv yourself How often do you get distracted by, oh, wait a minute, that piece isn't period, it shouldn't be there. Oh, why have they got that stupid picture on the wall or something? Or do you get involved in what you're watching? It's a little bit of both. You know, I like to call myself a really forgiving audience member. I very often get wrapped up in a story, um, especially like movies or shows some people critique. I'm like, oh, I enjoyed it. So it was good. But that brain sort of is always on where I'm like, oh, wow, that wallpaper is an amazing choice or oh, that doorknob isn't exactly period, but I guess it works because we only saw it for a second. Speaking of what, what are you watching when you have time to sit at home after, I'm sure you have those long 12, 15 hour days. Mm -hmm. What do you come home and watch? 
I just finished Rings of Power. Is the whole season over already? Yes. Yeah. And what'd you think? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, gorgeously designed. It was beautiful. Building. It really yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's as good as it's going to stand up to the Hobbits and the other ones? I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, Amazon's put all their eggs in this basket. They're giving it the budget it deserves. A billion dollars. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, every frame that you see, you can tell where you are, even if it's only like a two second like conversation. Right. Uh, they put so much thought into every detail. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that it comes across. It works. Of course, that shows very visually stimulating. Being that you're an artist yourself, are you usually drawn to visual stuff or can a story sometimes pull you in too? I'm also watching Abbott Elementary. Oh, that's um, wonderful. ABC Everybody show. loves it. Wonderful. So funny. And, you know, it's just an elementary school. It's not a, a giant, you know, New Zealand landscape, but it is, you know, it's something special, a special show. And I enjoy those too. Well, Mary, I want to thank you so much for taking your time out. I got to meet you actually just about a week ago at a 1708 opening, tracked you down, and I know you're getting ready to go work on Rap Shit. So I want to thank you for squeezing us in before you go to work, and good luck on the show. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Thanks, Jerry. Richmonder Mary Sater has worked on numerous TV shows as a set designer, most recently for the new season of Succession, the HBO hit Rap Shit, and both CW shows All American and All American Homecoming. There's a link to her website on the page for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's autobiographical coming-of-age story. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Netflix is doing something newish for this sequel to Knives Out. It'll play in theaters starting November 23rd, but won't be on Netflix for a month. Devotion, Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell play Navy fighter pilots during the Korean War. Strange World, the latest animation from Disney, takes a family for an adventure. Bones and All, Timothy Chalamet is back with his director from Call Me By Your Name, but this love story revolves around people who eat human flesh. TV and Streaming. Wednesday on Netflix features the teen from The Addams Family in her own coming-of-age series, and four of the eight episodes were directed by Tim Burton. Welcome to Chippendales on Hulu. Camille Najani plays the man who created the male dancer phenomenon. Goodnight Opa on Amazon Prime, a documentary about Opportunity, the Mars rover that ran for 15 years. Pitch Perfect Bumper in Berlin on Peacock, Adam Devine recreates his role from the franchise and takes it to Germany. Criminal Minds Evolution on Paramount is the revival of the police procedural series that ended in 2020. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special plays on Disney. That's it for this week. You can subscribe to this podcast on most of the major services. Just go to tvjerry.com, click on the podcast link, and there it is. Next week, we're going behind the scenes of one of Richmond's biggest events. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.